Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there's Steve. Hey. And today we continue our look at Two Swordmasters uh, by Xiao Shen Yu. Uh, we do have a little bit of an addendum to uh, some of our thoughts on on the book from the first episode. Uh, so, yeah, why don't you... Uh, well, you're the one who made the discovery, so... Uh, I, I did make the discovery. I did make the discovery. Uh, we were reading through the second half of the book, which is Limu Bai and a Living Widow. And I got to a point where I remember reading it somewhere before. And thanks to the fact that I've been actually trying to hunt a translation of the Iron Crane pentology for quite a while I remembered that there was a complete summary on Michelle Yeoh's website from uh, back in the Crouching Tiger days so I went through and discovered um, that uh, what I was reading was actually the plot of the second novel in the series so two sword masters if not a fan translation is a retelling of, as Steve reminded me later, the first three novels in the Iron Crane Pentalogy, um, also known as the series of books from which Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon comes from. Right. Uh, the book titled Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is actually the fourth in the series. Correct. So we start from the very beginning of this epic and we are brought up through just before the events of the film. Right. And since the Iron Crane Pentalogy has not been translated into English, this might be the closest thing that uh, Engl English-only speaking fans of the film can get to uh, reading those original novels. Right. And with the sequel, the Netflix sequel, yes. to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you actually now have access to all five of the stories mm -hmm. um, in mixed media format. So now the, the problem with that, obviously, is, well, with the films are films and they take liberties. That's just how films are. Mm -hmm. It's a flawed medium. We won't get into my thoughts about films. Right. <laughs> and this and that's beyond the scope of this subject today. Right. But if I remember correctly, uh the Sword of Legend, the the sequel from Netflix is actually a combination of the 5th and 3rd books. Okay. So they kind of draw from some of the material that's presented here into Swordmasters and from uh the book that hasn't been translated. I guess they must do it through flashbacks. Um, either that or they just blend some events together. Yeah, so like I said, films suck. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. So last time around, I had said that this was tantamount to fan fiction of the Iron Crane series. And in light of this new development, it is not fan fiction <laughs> But it's hard to say what it is because it's obviously 
um, at least the plots of of these other stories, mm-hmm. um, and it's presented as her own work, uh, as um, sorry, Xiao Shen Yu. Thank you, Xiao Shen Yu's own work, um, which is I I don't know what the intent was, um of her doing that, if that's like a, a publishing issue, if it's a translation issue, if it's a copyright issue, I just have no idea. Right. Right. So, um, if we know is, intellectual property laws differ between China and here, so it's really right, hard so, to kind of say. Yeah, it, it is hard to say. Um, so suffice it to say that if you don't speak or you don't read Chinese, obviously, you know, speaking is a different, a whole different, Thing. But if you don't read Chinese, uh, this is probably the only way you're going to be able to experience these stories. Right. Until somebody gets a bright idea to do an official translation. Right. So, take caveat emptor. Right. Now, now that all the disclaimers are out of the way, let's talk about the most tragic hero ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd say ever. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Limu Bai is pretty dang tragic. Yeah, well, Limu Bai made his own bed, and he did. That takes that takes away some of the tragedy to mm-hmm. me. Um, you know, to me, a tragedy implies um, the, a lack of control of your destiny and these events happen to you and there's nothing you can do about it. And Lee Mumbai certainly had ample opportunity to do a lot of things about it, but he chose not to. Right. Right. He's, he's conflicted between doing the right thing and doing the right thing. Right. So uh, I, I wouldn't say he's the most tragic figure in literature uh, just because he, does have a choice okay and and he just chooses to be miserable all right i i will rescind <laughs> i will rescind the most tragic hero and i will uh alter that to that guy whom disaster always seems to follow it could be but like a lot of his disaster is made by his own right his act- own- i guess that's part of it I mean, you look at King Lear, and he makes some pretty shitty decisions that have right. consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you look at that, but unlike Limu Bai, King Lear, like once he he set the ball rolling, events happened, and it was beyond his control, right? Right. Uh, same thing with Oedipus and and Antigone and all that shit. Right, Limu um, Bai just keeps making his shit worse. Yeah, Limu Bai just keeps on like, just he has the solution to his problems staring him in the face on multiple fronts, but he just can't help himself. So, the the in case you haven't been paying attention, Limu Bai um, is um, Chao Young Fat's character. Being crouching tiger, hidden dragon. So there's this tragic love story of these two, um, two people who were obviously in love, but couldn't get with each other because she was promised to 
his best friend. That's like part of the backstory of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right. right. Correct. This is the story of that love story. Right. This and is the background of, of, of how that came to be and all of its twists, twists and turns and, uh, Mistakes upon mistakes of trying to make things better. That it, it almost gets downright comical. Uh, this, this, uh, this romance and this, this, these just constant string of disasters. Well, even the disasters that have nothing to do with the romance are also like square on Mumbai's shoulders. Uh, they they say right there he's just arrogant. Yeah, and he he can't just he can't escape his own arrogance. He has to be arrogant when everybody in the war, everybody he knows is telling him to calm down and be humble. Right, he just he can't help himself. He, he tries, he tries, and then somebody got to look at him sideways, and he's like, "Yo, <laughs> are you looking right. at me sideways? And, and, Let's fight." It's interesting. It's but reading this, and the you you come to find out that the title "Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon" has absolutely nothing to do with Lee Mubai. Right, right. It's it's <laughs> a saying. He's neither. <laughs> right. It's it's a saying that in Beijing nothing is as it seems. Right. So there's this point in, in, in this book where he's a badass. There's no question about it. Mm. The man is a badass and he flaunts it. He struts around with his chest out and he's picking fights. Yep. Uh, and, and he's not, I don't think he's being an asshole. I think he's like, I th- he wants to defend the defenseless, that kind of thing. Right. He, 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 he's got, he's got this moral code. And he he sticks to it, and a lot of times he sticks to it a little too rigidly, and that's what causes trouble for him. Right, but he comes to find out that he's not the only badass in town. It's just that, aside from the, well, even the bad guys, aside from maybe one or two characters, every other badass keeps it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And these are the crouching tigers and the hidden dragons because they are, they are talented martial artists, right? But they choose not to to wear their black belt out in public, right? So to speak. So, right. so it, you look at crouching tiger, hidden dragon, and you realize that wow, it's not him. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the 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 young princess, who who is the true. Uh, crouching tiger, right in, in that. So, spoiler alert for for that movie, but but it's it's just funny because I you know I was always thought that maybe that's like the style he used or whatever, but no, it's 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 just the fact that he was an arrogant son of a bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, he's he's also don't get us wrong in in. Uh, Examining Li Bu Bai's character, uh, he sounds like he's this super macho guy, but he's really not. Um, you know, many many times it's it's discussed how thin and frail he is, and how he cries a lot, and he's 
he's he's he's he very much kind of subverts the hero trope. Uh, you know, Chiang Chiang Shao Ho from from the first story. You know, he's kind of like, you know, a little bit more of that that hero type material, even though his entire life is revenge. And he questions that. Uh, Li Mu Bai is very much a person of uh, honor and expectation and propriety. And he has very rigid senses of all three of these things. And, right. and a lot of times that is what really causes him trouble is in that he believes that there's a certain way to act and that when confronted with certain situations, the way to act is this. But he is also impulsive. And it's his impulsiveness combined with this strict moral guideline is is really both his both his saving grace and his downfall. It's a double edged right. sword, which is interesting since that's the weapon that he uses is a double edged sword. Right. Whether that's intentional or not. Uh, he's a scholar, so he wields a, a Gion like most scholars do. But, yeah, the the analogy of the double-edged sword is definitely there, I think. Okay. So, so what'd you, I believe you. what'd you think about this story overall? Um, I, I actually enjoyed the story more than the other one. I thought it had more uh, depth to it. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the characters were more interesting. Um, it wasn't just that revenge-driven story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had you, it was interesting because you felt for people. Um, in in the previous story, um, I I thought that it was more of the characters being constrained by uh, by the culture that they were in. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the, the cause of, of all the, the conflict within the story. And this one's a little bit more personal, where the entire culture um, that he is in is basically telling him to chill out. Right. <laughs> and, and he's stuck in this, uh, you know, this past. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so a little history it, that he is um, a Han. And it is past the fall of the Han, where they are ruled by the, the Manchurians, the Manchu. And, um, you know, the times are changing, and he's from the country, and I think he's just very stuck in, his, in the old school ways. And the, um, the new, the, the pardon pardon the reference, but the cultural revolution of the new regime kind of passes him by. Well, it's we're actually in like the second stage of, of that kind of cultural revolution where you had the Han culture uh, and what people among the Han would consider to be the high culture of Imperial China uh, into the occupation of the Yuan dynasty, the, the first Manchu dynasty, and now we're seeing a new emperor on the throne who is endeavoring to blend both cultures. Right. Regardless, 
but there are some old animosities going on. And Lee Mubai, being from the country, being a scholar, he's exposed to all this kind of romantic uh, hoo-ha, really, um, about what it means to be you know, a scholar and a, and a martial artist and, and all this stuff. And he's living by... He's kind of a man outside of time, even though he's a very young man. Right. Yeah, he's... I'd say he's culturally um, retarded. Right. In, in the sense, not not that there's something wrong with him, but that, like, he, he is uh, just conservative to the point where his, um, his norms and his values are the values of, of a few generations back as opposed to the current norms and values. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Lee Mubai, through a, a series of events, uh, becomes probably the most famous martial artist in Beijing. Oh, because he's arrogant. <laughs> because he's arrogant. Because <laughs> and, and, he's arrogant, but he never... He, Rarely ever does he write checks with his mouth that his ass can't cash. That's true. But because he's arrogant, he becomes famous. And because he's famous, he becomes a target. Right. Where you have other martial artists who lay low. Um, Let's talk about Fat She. Yes. Which was a very unfortunate name. Yes. The Baker. S-H-I-H. Mm-hmm. And if you if your eye glances over it really quickly, it looks like fat shit. Right. <laughs> um, but Fat She was was a baker, uh, and he was also a martial arts master. But you don't come to find that out because he ain't going around bragging about it. Right. Right. Oh. Oh. No. 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 Don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm just. I'm just a baker, dude. I just. I like to watch people fight. Yeah. So. And the, the the story is full of these crouching tigers um, and hidden dragons. Right. <laughs> he hooks he hooks up with a prostitute, um, who also knows martial arts. Right. Right. Who, who is essentially who is essentially his equal and opposite. Right. Um. And that plays into the love triangle as well. There's like two love triangles kind of sort of going on here. Right. It's a Venn diagram of love triangles. Right. <laughs> Where Lee Mubai um, is in the center of both of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one thing that I did notice, particularly with this one, and it is lengthier uh, than the first story because it's comprising two uh, novels worth of plot here. Um that the houses and security companies of this time period operate a lot like fucking organized crime families. Yeah, they do. And uh, well, it was the same in the last one as well. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. But you get a little bit more insight to it. You have certain houses that are aligned with other houses and, and certain ones who are like uh, in charge of specific areas. And they decide who they like and who they don't like and who they side with and all this crazy intrigue going on. Right. And, of course, the security companies all compete with each other. And one day they'll be a legitimate security company. The next day they'll be bandits uh, to try to um, defame 
another security company. And then they'll blackmail somebody into paying their protection racket because, hey, look, you know, the guys that you did hire, they're shit. We just beat those guys up. Yes. And, There's definitely uh, a lot of that. For for a cut of this, uh, for a cut of what you got here, we'll, we'll uh, make sure it gets to where it's supposed to go. and Or I might just keep it for myself. I haven't decided. <laughs> Eh, just rob the emperor, feeling cute, might return it later. Right. <laughs> and then uh, on top of this, you have you have the lone vagabonds as well. So at once, you have martial arts and chivalry fantasy, almost a crime novel, um, and also almost a western in some ways. Right. Well, the crime novel doesn't... Well, I guess it kind of does have have a little bit in the first part of it, but mainly the second half of it is the crime novel. Right. 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 And this, the first part is kind of like the, the lone swordsman kind of thing. Right. Where, where you, uh, actually feel sorry for the Mumbai until this, until it just gets to be too much. Everybody around him is just saying, Jesus Christ. So the story is that, um, he falls in love with this this uh, girl uh, oh. because she could do martial arts. Yu uh, Xiaolin. Right. And she was promised to another another uh, guy who ended up killing somebody and was on the run. So she... But, but because she was promised, um, they were pretty much just married. Right. Um, until he could be proven dead or they get married. Mm. She couldn't, she couldn't have another man. Nobody else could marry her. Right. Right. Which is the source of all the conflict. Mm. She's she's considered a living widow. Right. Which kind of all widows are living. That's weird. If you think about it, you have to be um, alive to be a, a widow. Right. I think it might be just a, a bad translation of the of the term. Right. In effect, she's Schrodinger's widow. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, she is. So, Li Mubai decides he's going to find her husband and either prove he's dead so he can marry her or, or have them get married. Right. That's the gist. They become, they end up becoming friends. Right. And and sworn siblings, besties. Oh, the the fiance. Yes. Yeah, and and they become sworn siblings as well. Yes. So it, there's a little bit of like a threes company happening in there, mm-hmm. where you know uh, there's a bunch of misunderstandings and and embarrassing situations, but it turns out that this guy ends up um, taking taking the proverbial bullet for Limu Bai. And in his grief and guilt, he decides that um, he can't marry uh, you. All, even though his best friend, her, her fiance says on his dying, with his dying breath, marry her. Right. Right. It's <laughs> like, and it, it, it's really funny because, you know, Lee Boombai is doing all this stuff and we get treated we the reader 
get treated to what all the side characters think about Lee Mubai and his relationship with uh, Yusu Lin. And it's like the entire fucking country, including the crown prince, wants them to get married. Yep. <laughs> it's like everybody is pulling for the two of them to, to, to get together in the end. Including the, the, the dead fiancé. Right, including the dead fiancé. It's like the entire country of China is shipping these two. And Li Mu Bai always comes up with a goddamn excuse. Because he's an arrogant bastard. Because he's an arrogant bastard who's too fucking hung up on his personal code to go, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's do this. And that's why I say that it could have ended. He could have ended it at any time. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a real tragic figure... Once the events are set into motion, there ain't nothing you can do about it. It's it's a done deal. Right. Oh, you fucked your mother? Well, here you go. <laughs> yeah. I know you didn't know it was your mother, but tough shit. <laughs> this is Greece, son. <laughs> Forget about it. Jacobus. <laughs> Jacobus. Jacobus. It's Athens. And yeah, there's a lot of uh, forget about it, Lee. It's it's Beijing kind of shit yeah. going on. There is, but the, the thing about Mumbai is he just he's just too too into himself, too arrogant, too thick headed to see the writing on the wall. And in a way, maybe that's even more tragic because everyone and and their wives and mothers are just saying. Marry her. Right, right. It's all that, all the private gossip and whatnot is like marry her, but propriety won't let them, you know, uh, outwardly push for it themselves. Right. Well, even, even like when they're out in the country Mm -hmm. at like a random inn. Right. The uh, the owners are like, people will be, oh, isn't Nimu by your husband? Right. Right, they think they they, they they could. The rest of the world considers them married at, at, after a while. Right. Yeah. So perhaps the best thing that could have happened to this guy is for him to have become a Taoist priest. Right. Because, because I don't think he could survive in the real world. Just something's going to happen that he can't fight his way out of right exactly Um, and you know there's a couple of times where he was either thrown in jail or being about to be thrown in jail uh, because he he couldn't like keep it to himself right and he pissed off the wrong person right his his honorable behavior his best friend is the um well not his best yeah well, well the crown prince was like really good friends with him and at one point the crown prince is like, yeah, you can't do what you're about to do because even I can't save you. Right. This is above my pay grade. If you kill, if you kill this guy, you're going to jail, and they will they will execute you. Thin Buddha Huang, the uh, the mastermind behind pretty much everything bad that happens in Beijing, like super villain level asshole. 
Yes. Uh, and basically untouchable because he's a major official in the government. Uh, you know, even the crown prince says, yeah, uh, if you kill him, I got I have to come down on you. Right. Um, and they're friends. And, and they're friends. And he's like, you know, me being, I got you out of jail once. And he was thrown into jail uh, because because some rather nasty individuals ended up dead. He got thrown into jail, and through the machinations of his other friends, this is how he got to meet the crown prince. And it got when word got to the crown prince initially uh, that Lee Mubai was in jail, and he's like, "Nah, we can't have this. Right. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this personally." Um, right. It does seem that it was pretty easy to get thrown in jail in uh in old school Beijing. Yep, yep. All all you need is the right guy to accuse you of something. Yes, <laughs> because the 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 when he actually went to jail, it was on very flimsy charges. Yep. Uh, and both time, well, the second, the first time well, it was no, on flimsy charges. The second time he he. He did it. I mean, he turned himself in. He killed. He killed um, uh, the guy and turned himself in. And but they, apparently, he was also wanted in a in a robbery. <laughs> he had nothing to do with. Right, right. He was he <laughs> was being throw him set in jail up for anyway. all this stuff. Right. And what you what you think about the fact that there were fucking riots? When when the people of Beijing heard that Li Mubai was thrown in jail, well, I mean, the the the, the flip side of his arrogance causing all this also makes him, you know, a popular figure. Mm-hmm. Um, we all love a badass. Yep, and and a and a even a self righteous badass because you know exactly. he usually is on the side of right. Even though he's arrogant, and he helped a lot of people, right? It's not like he was like being arrogant and being an asshole. He was being arrogant and, and being good. Um, uh, he kind of reminds me of T. H. White's portrayal of Lancelot, I think, mm-hmm. from uh, the Once and Future King. Yeah, yeah, very, very Lancelot like. And that uh, major major badass who's he's arrogant he's uh but he's also on generally on the side of right. Oh well, he's like um, he he has an inability to not tell the truth, right? And he's always doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. There's also a character in the Wheel of Time who's who's like based on the same model, right? It might be Galahad or Gawain. I can't, it's been a while, but anyway. So if you if you've read the Once and Future King or um, the Wheel of Time series, it's kind of they're all kind of cut from the same cloth, right? Um, if you play D anD D, he would be the Paladin, mm-hmm. where he's just incapable of of not being righteous. Right. He's lawful good to a fault. He is right. he is the epitome of the lawful good alignment and all the positive and negative that comes from that. Right. And yeah, so and it, if he had just unclenched yep. just for a second, uh he could have avoided a lot of his own his own tragedy. Yep. Yep. Um 
I I enjoyed the particular part where uh, uh, Fat She and uh, Yu Lin go to re- break him out of jail. Right, and and she's like, "I'm gonna die if you die," and he's like, "Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I deserve to die. I'm a piece of shit. Everything I do is bad." Right, and uh, they almost get caught. Right, and then mysteriously, she goes back to try to break him out again, and she gets stopped because Lee Mubai's plight has caught the attention of the people above his pay grade. <laughs> right. Uh, of the, his his other teacher, uh, Chiang Shiho from the first story. From the first story, yep. Who has, at this point, become practically a god. <laughs> yes. Well, now, in terms of how the stories connect with each other, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm actually specifically talking about the character development of Limo Bai from this mm-hmm. to the film Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Because when we look at Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Limo Bai is pretty well well together. Yes. Um, he is the definition of serene. Mm-hmm. And it, it is an altogether different person yep. than the one that we see in this in this um, story. Right. He's he's wild, he's impulsive and reckless. By the time we meet Lee Mubai in the film, he has been to Wudan Mountain uh, for some unknown number of years, uh, found enlightenment and then lost it and decides to return to Beijing. Right. Uh, to uh, talk about the magic sword that uh, he has in that film that he steals in this story. <laughs> he does. He comes into possession of two artifacts of incredible power through um, l- questionable means. Yes. Well, and he was also posing as a priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, while this was happening, right, right, he was he was kind of incognito as a priest, and kind of shades of things to come, I guess. Right, where he actually became a a a well, he became a Buddhist monk as opposed to a Taoist priest. No, he was a Dao- Taoist priest. He was a Taoist monk. Oh, was he? Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, Wudong is famous Taoist uh, monastery. Okay. I'll defer to to you for that. Yep. If for this time period, if for this time period, if he was a badass Buddhist monk, he would have gone to Shaolin. Okay. And you never would have met the Riza. Right. That's right. Because he's one of the Wudang clan. Cause, cause cream. <laughs> Which is also true because it's like fucking everybody got cash, and the more cash you got, the better off you are. But I also enjoy how he he enters Beijing and through chance uh, meets like the one guy who has the entire city wired. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, good, old, good old Don Way. But they were they were traveling uh, prior. No, no, he wasn't traveling with him. My fault. They met at a roadside inn briefly, right. and he was just like, "Yeah, I'll, I'm sure, I'll look you up when I get to the big city." Right. And turns out he meets him again by accident. And it turns out that this dude has the whole city wired. He knows everybody. He is the yep. guy, even though he doesn't have a shit ton of money, he knows somebody in every business. He knows somebody in every part of town. He can always get the best seats at the theater. He can always get well, the a, best seats at the restaurant. He's a professional middleman. Right. That's right. He, he knows he, And he knows everything about what's going on in the city. I think at one point... Um, he hears about um, his his love life, and he offers to get him a, a bride as well. He's like, "Yeah, I can get you hooked up. Don't worry. You know what? I could probably pull some strings, and you could marry Sue Lynn." I cannot marry Sue Lynn. Man, stop! Everything doing I touch turns to shit. Right, and that's that's a third of the book right there. Is that co- exact conversation with different people? Yeah. And I you know, I love when uh Chang Shi Ho shows up, right, and he's just like, You're getting married. Right. <laughs> uh to the to the fact where he he breaks Li Mu Bai out of jail, breaks into the Crown Prince's personal chambers, and steals Li Mu Bai's father's sword right off his desk. Yeah. And leaves it in Su Lin's house with a note that says, you know, Li Mubai will be will return. Dot dot dot. Right. Well, and now he has I guess a vested interest in promoting their relationship, um, given his uh backstory. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Which he's... I think which I think was a lot more tragic, mm-hmm. by the way. Right. Um, because now that was a bunch of circumstances. Mm. Now, I'm not saying I enjoyed that story more. I'm just saying that, like, on the, the tragometer, right. uh, that was that was a lot more tragic to me. Uh, because, you know, vendettas, vendettas always, like, do that. Now, what was that one story about romance and vendettas that's really famous? Romeo and Juliet? That'd be the one. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we also get to see Yu Su Lin, you know, she is no slouch herself. She develops no. a lot over the story from the, uh, a shy country girl who happens to know martial arts to the leader, uh, of a security company and a legendary hero in her own right. Right. Yes. And I think the the where the first half of this story, pardon me, focuses more on Limo Bai, and the second half definitely focuses more on her, mm-hmm. and it's it's more of her story than his. Right. Uh, he is is actually in the in the second half. He's pretty incidental. He spends uh, most of it either in jail or in the south off off camera, and then even when he's there, he's not there. Right, he's, he's in the shadows. He's he's um, he's Batman looking out. Yeah, he's he's looking out. 
whereas um, it's her story. It's her growth, her development. She actively goes out to become better at martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she takes the foundation of the knowledge that she has from Limo Bai and her father and uh, really pushes herself to, to learn how to do things like uh, use darts. Mm-hmm. Um, her night leaps. Yep. <laughs> the night leaping. This is true. This is true. And, uh, so, you know, and she gets embroiled into some intrigue that's tied up with the death of her own father. Mm-hmm. Um, with some some notorious bandits who are also Lee Mubai's enemies. And they're looking for him. And she's got a family grudge to settle. And she gets th- pull, just pulled into this this grudge. Uh, she's willing. She willingly, you know, participates because she knows all the full story. But uh, right. you know, then she gets her chance, and but instead of it being just a grudge, it's kind of a mission where a young girl gets kidnapped and and threatened to be sold, and she's like, "No, we can't have that." Well, she's got a couple of things there. She's got mm-hmm. the, the kidnapping of this young girl who she's trying to, to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the um, the territory and the involvement of the same uh, bandits that or slash security company that uh, killed her father. And she ha- and somehow involved in all this are the monks that are uh, counter to the Mubai. Right. And so she has like three really good reasons to be doing what she's doing. And, and it's almost, um, it's almost unfortunate that Lee Mubai is, is his presence is there. Not that he's there as a character very much, but his presence is there overshadowing her and driving her on because I don't really think that that needed to be there. No, it didn't really need to be. You needed to have like a resolution to his story. Um, But she had enough motivation on her own to not have, um, oh, and my boyfriend. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I got you. And, And yeah, oh, and the missing pearls. She gets involved in that mystery as well. Well, right, and that's part. That's part of the kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Every plot. everything is very well intertwined. That's one of the things I liked about it the most, is how intricately the web of intrigue is woven. Yes, and if you're a fan of that kind of plot, then I think you'll love this book. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wish that that uh, some re- really weird, quirky things were were here that were just kind of like why, <laughs> like um, a lot of people who were who were under pseudonyms mm-hmm. had um, their names and then the translations in parentheses, right? As so, you have Lee Mubai, and it just says Lee Mubai, right? Right. That's character. But then you have like people like uh what like Feng T, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be like seven. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they're the Fang family is very large, and all the brothers 
have names that are numbers rather right. than... Right, but, well, why would you bother translating that? Yeah. Uh, That's... Uh, and not anything else. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. True. True. It was but, just, like, really weird, quirky, quirky things like that. I, and bed. Every time they, they the word for bed, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is calm... Right. ...showed up, it had bed in parentheses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yes. Definitely, <laughs> definitely... Uh, uh, <laughs> The author is is looking to uh, you know bring bring this and, and these aspects of culture to 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 a non Chinese literate audience, um, right? So you have those types of like repeated translations that if you see them elsewhere and within the 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 Wuja genre, uh, there is a large uh, fan translation community. Uh, so when you are j- digging further into more books like this, uh, you know you can catch some of the words maybe that have not been translated. But generally, you can you know contextual clues help out a lot. Right. No, no, I I, I get it. It's just it's just strange that why is bed? <laughs> why? What was the decision for having bed non-translated with the translation? In parentheses next to it, as opposed to sword. Right. I have a I have a <laughs> feeling that uh, a lot of this was uh, written from notes, um, and thing notes were cut and arranged in in paragraph order because there's some points where uh, characters' full names aren't even written out. Uh, you know, and and for example, the Crown Prince. Uh, is T, T-E, sometimes T-I, and uh, there's one instance where it's just T, the letter T. Right. Uh, Well, I think it definitely, and I think I mentioned this last time, uh, it definitely could use a couple of um, passes over by an editor. Mm -hmm. A little little round of polish. Yeah. Um, Clear up some tense issues. Clear. you know, make sure names are consistent right. throughout. Yeah, nothing, nothing too, too terrible. Just you know, it would make it, um, I guess, easier mm-hmm. and and more professional. Right, right, exactly. Um, because now, this is just a criticism on the presentation of the ebook. Once again, I have not looked at the hardcover. Um, but it does seem that it's a little, it's put together a little amateurishly, um, in, in, in a show where we read a lot of self-published stuff, which in books that tend to have typos and stuff like that, uh, this is a cut above. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so, and then part of it obviously is because the woman who, who, who wrote it, English is not her first language. Correct. Correct. Um, which is why an editor would have been, you know, something even more um, more useful than, let's say, someone who wrote a Cthulhu story and, um, you know, speaks English as their first language, but just needed, you know, who maybe got um, their friends to, to give it a read over. Correct. Correct. So... You know what I'm talking about. Yes. yes. Pig. <clears throat> so. 
Uh, I got a little something. <clears throat> a little snake in my throat. Uh, yep, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's the second half of Two Swordmasters, Lee Mubai and The Living Widow. Uh, definitely check it out. We'll have the link in the description again. Uh, and, uh, yeah, enjoy it. And once again, it's probably the closest thing you're going to get uh, to a an English version of the Iron Crane Pentology um, until somebody gets a bright idea to do a translation. Uh, so definitely check it out if you're into... Uh, the genre of Wuja, if you're into Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you love those films, uh, definitely check this book out, get the backstory, and uh, you'll have a really good time. Yeah, and uh, while you're at it, keep 30 luck points. And we'll see you next time. Bye.